You're listening to a Time Machine podcast. Old movie Time Machine. An adventure through time and or space. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Old Movie Time Machine. That's right. It's premiere week. Another day. Another old movie. It's day four of premiere week. Uh, And on this show, I want to tell you guys at home, we use color films made in the U.S. of A. between the years of 1945 and 1965 as windows into the past. And we climb through those windows. And we have ourselves a little poke around, and we take a look at the world as it was during this pivotal time following the Second World War. Now, while we do this, we're going to be asking some important probing questions, such as, who are these people? What are their habits? How are they treating one another? What decisions are they making, and why are they making them? And also, last but not least, probably the most important thing, what are they wearing, and what do their living rooms look like? And, of course, at the end of the show, we are going to ask the vital question on behalf of all humanity. Do we keep watching this thing? Are we going to keep watching this? Or are we good? We'll find out. Listen, everybody, I'm Justin Zeppa. I'll be your host through time and or space, joined as ever by my uh, intrepid team of time-traveling reporters, uh, we're going to shake things up a little bit. Catherine Sherlock is actually on location right now. We She will not be here today. She actually had to go out to the site of where we're building the Morph Suck, and uh, she had to crack some skulls, from what I understand. There was some kind of union issues or whatever. Sherlock does not fuck around with union issues, so she went down there, and she's TCing all the B. Uh, so we're going to start with my sister and yours, Carolyn Narrows. Carolyn, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. We couldn't do it without you. And of course, you know, what would this show be without, you know, she's reporting to us live from the county recorder's office actually right now. Uh, so she's, I think she's in line trying to file some of this paperwork that we've had pending, right. but yes. uh, she's out there. Shrish Nike reporting from the county recorder's office. Shrish, what's up? Ready to rock. Yes. Hi guys. <laughs> what's going on? Um, these lines have been really long, um, and yeah, yeah. it's really nice to have someone to talk to as I wait. So yeah, yeah. You let what, us know if you need to. You uh, I mean, what's your ticket yeah, number? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trishma, you got a ticket, right? Thirty-five. You have to get a ticket. Oh, okay. oh, oh yeah, I got a ticket. <laughs> Give me a salad. Go get. Some- <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we have time, so let's get into this. Today, we are talking about 1956's Douglas Sirk's Written on the Wind. It's a big uh, pivot from yesterday's The War of the Worlds. We're talking hardcore 50s-style drama. Carolyn, give me your snap one-line review of Written on the Wind. Oil money can't buy reproductive health. (laughs) Perfect. Uh Mike, do you have a snap one-line review of Written on the Wind? I actually forgot to get one. That's cool. 
<laughs> do you want to think of one real quick? Yeah, I'm thinking of one as you speak. Oh, maybe we can do that okay, at the okay. end. Okay. Should, are we going to remember if we make a promise to the listener that Shrisma's going to give us her one-line review of the movie that we will have talked about for no less than two hours? <laughs> right. That we're going to deliver on that promise? We can do yes. that? Yes. We can okay. do that. All right. I'm going to make a note at the end of my notes to remind me to ask you about Trishma's hot snake on this movie. Hot snakes. Yeah. But I do have a general comment on these movies in general. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Wait a minute. So let let me give you my, my, my line review. And then we'll just get, we're going to get right into it. This is all. (laughs) Come on. We don't have Catherine here to keep us together. It's true. It's true. Look at the show's off the rails because Catherine's out busting unions. It's crazy. Uh, Mine was actually not dissimilar from Carolyn's. Whether you're drunk on raw corn or big oil, you can always have too much of a good thing. There we go. Now, what does all that mean? Shrishma, I believe you have some comments you'd like to share with us. So please tell us what you think about (laughs) films made in the United States of America in the 1950s. Go. So... (laughs) I don't know if it's the age I find myself in, in life and like, you know, how I like we've been through a pandemic and life's, you know, changed. Um, The question I find myself asking a lot is what's the purpose of this? (laughs) (laughs) What's the point of this story? (laughs) What is it telling us? Like, what are we learning out of it or what are we Mm -hmm. gaining? Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm forgetting that, you know, back in the day, it was just a form of entertainment. So I think I have to disconnect the whole finding meaning (laughs) I guess I'm not able to connect with the stories that we've been watching and I think that's where um, I'm having trouble um, sitting through them is one but then like really like like I just don't give a shit (laughs) that's totally fair like like the chicks in this movie I was like really guys (laughs) hey man that that sister was like eating the scenery in this movie though she was like taking chunks out of the scenery she's oozing around like like she was just ready to light things on fire You know, look at this knockout. We got Lucy here in the office for Hadley Oil, played by the lovely Miss Lauren Bacall. Uh, how are we feeling about Lauren Bacall at this point? She can... 1956? She can just lay a man out flat with one look. Oh, yeah. Those eyes. Yeah. And then- I agree. She, uh, I was also really impressed with the eyebrows. Her eyebrow game was on point, I thought. You know, this is, a, this is an era, I think, of big, bold, beautiful eyebrows, right? No, everything about her was really nice, and she—I I feel like her face, like her face, looks familiar. So, I must have like so the you know somewhere little, in the past. <laughs> and she's putting up some prints. I mean, it looks like you know she's possibly an advertising some kind of advanced career woman doing big things. And well, we find out that she's the executive assistant, but whatever. I mean, it is 1956, and this is a part of things. Uh, so we meet Lucy. And Lucy meets Mitch, played by Rock Hudson, of course. We saw Rock the other day with Pillow Talk. They have a nice time together, and they have to go meet Kyle. They got to go pick up Kyle, who is, again, the heir apparent, who is also errant, played by a very drunk-performing Robert Stack at this odd Americana bar. And they take a seat with Kyle, and Kyle immediately starts putting the moves on her. He starts (laughs) doing his little talking thing, right? And 
uh, you know, starts asking about like, you know, what, where do you see yourself? Like, what's, tell me all about you and, and working that whole angle and everything. And we learn from Lucy that she is, uh, you know, a simple woman. She sees herself as having a family and a mortgage out in the suburbs or something like that. And, and Kyle, of course, he's a, uh, well, he's a rich boy. So he's like, nah, you can do better than that. And he offers to buy her an advertising agency at one point, you know, he's, he's pulling out all the stops. They leave the Americana Tavern, which is in a hotel of some kind, which has the, of course, classic racist lawn jockey hanging out outside. Cool. Um, mm. 19, 1956. Thanks, you guys. Uh, anyway, Kyle makes Mitch go buy a, a carton of cigarettes for him. And when Mitch does that, uh, Kyle takes Lucy and spirits her off in a cab and they go to the airport. And she's sort of like, what the fuck? And uh, he has a great line of, you know, I'll just take you flying or whatever. And uh, also, I wouldn't admit this to anyone but you, but I drink too much. So, Didn't this seem like a kidnapping scene? Because as I was watching it, and I understand that Kyle's trying to woo her, but yeah, this whole segment leading up to, you know, if I'm getting married, I'm just like, is, this, is she having Stockholm syndrome because he actually just kidnapped her? And yeah, yeah, there's a little of that. There's a little of the uh, I mean, he's coming on real sort strong. of me, me too. I mean, the the power imbalance, right? He's the heir to the company that she works for, and so he's kind of her boss in a sense. And so when the boss says, "Hey, you're going to come on an airplane with me, and I'm going to fly you somewhere. Don't ask any questions." I mean, you can say no, but also she wants to have her job, of course. And so she's put in an impossible position where she has to go indulge uh, drunk Kyle Hadley. Yeah. It's a very complicated scene. Which is a common theme in in even even, uh, Pillow Talk where the women just kind of gave in to the advances of the man to save the trouble. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, women of the 1950s may as well have had handles on them. They're picked up and carried around so often. I mean, like, it's just you don't have any agency in what you want to do with your life. You're just coming where I'm taking you to. And yeah. then you will marry me. <laughs> you know, but who who else should be on this plane, you guys? But old Mitch Wayne himself, the rocker, mm-hmm. Rock Hudson. He's like, here's your cigarettes, you son of a bitch. I know your tricks. I know what you're up to. So Mitch is along for the ride as well because one gets the impression that he is – something of a handler for Kyle, mm-hmm. right? So Kyle takes Lucy up to the cockpit. Uh, it's not a euphemism. He actually takes her to the cockpit of the airplane <laughs> and uh, and they get to know each other and we get to know a little bit about them. So Lucy is asking Kyle about his family and you know, Kyle t- tells some sad stories about how he feels like a black sheep in the family, uh, and, but, but he's Poor not alone because his sister boy. Mary Lee- Poor little rich boy, so nobody sad. loves me. It's so sad. I have gobs and gobs of money, but nobody <laughs> loves me. Oh, so many so problems with me. Many millions and millions of dollars. I need a woman to take care of me. And he talks about his sister, Mary Lee, who he claims has the devil in her. She's so fucked up. So it's <laughs> like, okay, let's log that one away for later. And, uh, you know, Lucy's uh, curious also about the Mitch situation. Like, who's this guy Mitch, by the way? What's what's his deal? And we find out that Mitch was a childhood friend of Kyle's. And he grew up on a ranch out of town. And his father was a sort of local legend, uh, hunter, trapper, Daniel Boone is described type of type of man, and he 
sends his son Mitch to live with the Hadleys, the very rich Hadleys, and they grow up together and he's sort of like an adopted son of sorts. And Kyle just flat out admits that like, you know, my father is worth a ton of money. His shoes are impossibly, possibly big to fill. The only person who can really do it is Mitch. Like I can, I'm not up to the challenge. I'm a, I'm a drunken flyboy over here. I can't do it, but Mitch is uh a heck of a guy. And also I wish I had his father. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things at play. Here. A lot of daddy issues. So many daddy issues. And then uh, eventually Mitch shows up at the cockpit and he's like, uh, in his very sort of reserved Rock, Huds- Rock Hudsonian way, sort of like, where are we going? Like, we, we're, we've hit the Carolinas. What's the deal here? What are we doing? And uh, Kyle's like, well, we're going to go to Miami Beach, everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. This is I'm rich and this is what I've decided. And everybody kind of <laughs> goes along with also it. Also known as kidnapping. That's right. That's right. Uh, you didn't assent to any of this, but you're coming along for the Take ride. Enter Jack Williams, this fellow here of the Miami Press, who tracks down Mitch at his uh, bachelor hotel room and is like, hey, did you hear that uh, Kyle Hadley and Lucy got uh, got married, registered for a marriage license? And Mitch is really Mitch has heard about this and he's really stewing about it. You can just see it in his face like he's burning inside. How much inside. time has passed? I think it's. Like the next day, I think. I think, you know, Kyle does his whole routine at the airport and is like, I'm going to get my shit together. And then he smooches her. And then we dissolve to this. And it's like the next day. And in the meantime, they had gone and- We can't smooch unless we're getting married. Exactly. You know, uh, a kiss is a promise, guys and gals, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> so Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a promise to your true love. Only kiss your true love. That's what I always say. I'll never lead you wrong. Uh, so we we then go to the the couple and they're on the beach uh, on this the marital bed. Yes, and they're in their new newfound marital bed. I think they may have been smooching in that bed. You guys, they're on the beach. Also, just wanted to point out patio ashtray. You got to have it right. I mean, you're going to be doing a lot of smoking outside. You might want an after sex ciggy. And you might want to step outside in your robe to do so. Oh, you definitely do. And actually looking in at this bedside table, I do not see an ashtray there, which is very unusual as we're learning. So Lucy wakes up in the middle of the night in their, in their marital bed, their smooching bed. And she goes to, you know, be the good wife and adjust Kyle's pillow only to reveal that he sleeps with a gun under his pillow. And she's a little, again, freaked out. Lucy, these are all red flags. My friend, uh, everything that's happening, you maybe should have just, uh, you know, get engaged. But Why? I must say, I, I have to interject here because <laughs> okay. he's he, he's Texan. All Texans oh, that's true. That's the, this is a great point. It should, should be known. This is normal. Like, yeah. We eventually go back to Hadley Oil Co. Daytime now. And we, we find ourselves... In uh, Jasper Hadley's office. Uh, now Jasper daddy. is is daddy. Yeah, Kyle's daddy, uh, the old man who has a I got to tell you a fantastic office. So uh, Mitch is there, of course. He he's coming in. He's got his plans, his geography plans. But let's just take a look around the office here because 
I do. Oh, I'm s- taking something from this office into the museum. I bet you are. Let's do a little. Uh, <laughs> how many ashtrays, ladies? One on the conference uh, table. They have two. Two standing. The standing two ones. Stands. Uh-huh. That's, so that's classy. Three. Yes. That's three. Uh, we've got a lot of Carolyn horse statues back here right. on this bookshelf. Horsey bronzes. <laughs> so Lucy and Kyle arrive, and uh, they go to powwow with Jasper. You know, like Dad, meet your new daughter-in-law, and he is—he's very charmed by her, of course, because it is Lauren Bacall. He's like, Son, I didn't realize you married Lauren Bacall. He didn't tell me that part, right. but <laughs> I can't believe it. And she's like, I'm surprised, you know, you didn't think I'm just some gold digger or whatever. And he's like, well, you know, I did actually at first, but then I talked to Mitch. I trust this guy, you know, my son's a jackass, but I trust this guy over here. He tells me that you're a really nice lady. So it's fine. And and we find out that uh, Kyle has not been drinking this entire time. And uh, Jasper is uh, very skeptical of this because he knows his son has a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. And he also wonders about this gun under the pillow thing. He's like, you know, is he still sleeping with the gun under the pillow? Which Jasper, I mean, if you know this is going on, maybe intervene. But again, Trishma, it's got to be a Texan thing, right? This is just, Texan just Texas. Thing. Yeah. Well, they never really seem to get to the root of the whole gun under the pillow concern. They don't. I think it's just his, uh, yeah, it must just be his paranoia, his his alcoholism creating a paranoia. But But Lucy reassures Jasper that like, you know, I talked to him about it. And he threw it into the ocean. So it's not an issue. He's been on the straight and narrow. Everything's cool. Thank you for welcoming uh, me to the family. So we then go to, uh, we cut to Mitch's office, a pretty sweet office. Uh, one ashtray. He's a normal human being, but he does have this. Big his, one, though. It's, it's very deep. Ashtray. He uh, He does a lot of work. His inbox is empty. And he gets a phone call from Dan, a barkeep at the local watering hole called The Cove. Dan's calling to let Mitch know that uh, Mary Lee, Kyle's devilish sister, is at the bar with a piece of slime named Roy. And Mitch is like, all right, well, I'll go clean up this mess, too. And uh, Kyle wants to come along as well. I'm a geologist. (laughs) I'm a geologist, but I'll go uh, pour your daughter into my car and, and get her out of this terrible situation. <laughs> so we, we see Mary Lee and she's a, a, a very beautiful young woman, but she's also very drunk with this uh, older creep named Roy at this, um, yeah, you know, it's just a dive bar. And, local bar but she's having a great time and they're just, this is uh, the, the bright side of heavy drinking in the 1950s, I guess, is you just do a lot of... <laughs> I mean, it's the middle of the day, you guys, and these. This is it's how, like ten o'clock in the morning. This is how they're spending like. their time. And Roy goes to Dan, the barkeep, and he asks for the, you know, hey, can I, can I have a use of your back room? Which is just such a, it's all so <laughs> disgusting, right? Uh, and we we get to see the back room at at the Cove, by the way, and it turns out that it's just all wood paneling, boxing artwork, mm. and Life magazines. It's the most depressing room you can think of. <laughs> Dan's stalling for time. He's you know, like, Roy, look, I, I don't want you fucking this woman in the back room. So he's stalling. And then Mitch and Kyle arrive in the Hadley mobile. And that's not just a thing that we're saying. It says Hadley oil on the side of it. Like you're driving. It's, it is the most company of company cars. And they come in and, you know, sort of case the joint. And uh, Kyle you know, drops a dime in this jukebox that looks sort of like Robbie the robot from Lost in Space. And 
Uh, it's you know music. It almost looks like a, you would find it as a, a robot in Star Trek. Yeah, or Star Wars. Yeah, sorry. it's very <laughs> colorful. Uh, R two unit. You know, this could be uh, an astromech or something like that. But it also happens to play great tunes that you can have a fist fight to, and it's it's roughhouse time, right? So they get in some fisticuffs. Kyle is not great at it, let's say, and and this slimy guy Roy, he kind of takes it to him, kind of cleans his clock, and Mitch has to jump in because this is what we're seeing. This is establishing this pattern of Mitch always having to jump in to bail out the Hadleys. Dan the barkeep pulls a gun on Roy to get him to stop, you know, just like, fuck off, dude, just get, we're done here. Fuck off. And, uh, Roy pretends like he's going to leave. And then he makes a go for the, for the gun again. And then it's now, now we're on Mitch time and Mitch has to get involved. Uh, he destroys Roy and throws him into this, uh, awesome thing pinball machine. And Mary Lee, the entire time is loving this attention. She is really getting on from this. Let's stop Romo just to say that she is just attention seeking with this behavior. Oh, she's so hot for all of this. She she wants to go home with all of them, you know. She is burning up for all of this. I mean, yeah. she's like looks like the entire movie. She is like oozing around, posing at the side, heaving chest, like, just... Dancing like in her bedroom with reckless abandon. Oh, my God. But, like, <laughs> internally implode. But she's... she's The tension she's seeking is from Mitch, isn't, oh, yes. isn't that... Absolutely, yeah. Great? Which we find yeah. out. So, you know, Kyle, post-fight, Kyle's pretty embarrassed that he got his ass kicked, right? So he sort of storms out of there, takes the car with him. Uh, we then get into the car with Mary Lee, which I mean, I mean, look at this. This is indicative a- <laughs> of how she is the entire film just posed up like a pinup girl. Yeah. in this red, sexy red convertible here. And she is, you know, she's giving Mitch the old bedroom eyes. Like she, she wants her dress is barely buttoned. Oh yeah. Yeah. Over her bosom. Right. <laughs> that dress is, is like, um, those wrestling track pants where she could just rip them off, you know, like right. uh, she's ready. So Mitch gets a ride with her and she tries to get him to go with her to the old, like swimming hole, right. They're old, uh, where they used to Stop hang out grounds. as kids. Yeah. Also, by the way, just, we should note that she's totally drunk driving in the scene. <laughs> like she was just drunk at a bar and now she's driving Mitch back into town just very drunkenly she's an expert drunk so she's doing it rather well but i think she's drunk throughout the entire movie the most of the movie gotta be gotta be uh and i know we're making light of the drunkenness and we're having a good time and everything but when it starts to get real heavy i mean these are the these are the glory days of of the drinking the you know the wine and roses and driving without seatbelts uh yeah who needs it right but you know we're, we'll talk about the heaviness of addiction when certain things happen in the in the near future. But anyway, Mitch again, to his credit, very gracefully tries to handle this with like, look, it's not going to happen. And he says, uh, "Please don't waste your life away waiting for me." And she's like, "Okay, I'm going to ignore that very <laughs> open, <laughs> clear message. message that you gave to me and say she like, oh. has not yet lived enough life." To hear the words coming out of someone's yeah. mouth yeah. and actually take them at their word. It's so sad. Please don't waste your life away waiting for me. He says it. And he says it so nicely. Just like, look, don't do this. And she's like, no, I'm going to have you. If, whether whether we're married or not, I'm going to have you. I'm going to have yeah. you. 
<laughs> this is like you know like the classic i guess rich spoiled child like can't take no for an answer yeah um has to have whatever want they want what i want what i want it i want it right. exactly i want an oompa loompa now daddy Guys, I'm not even going to pretend to apologize for interrupting what is shaping up to be arguably one of the best shows we've ever produced uh, in our podcast, which has existed for less than a week. But hey, I got to tell you guys about our new merchandise over in our Tee Public store. Uh, today, we're going to be highlighting a design that we like to call Grandma's Ashtray. If your grandmother was like mine, uh, she was chain smoking just to get through the day. But guys, talk about class. I mean, this is uh, its a beautiful, striking green ashtray logo atop a very finely finished piece of uh, undoubtedly rainforest wood. Uh, you know, probably a massive ancient tree died to create the table that this ashtray sits on. You're welcome. You want to get this. Guys, for this one, I think what you need is... Mm, I think you'd like to have this on maybe a notebook. That's right. We've got notebooks in our store. You can pick the background color if you like. You can pick if you like it to be uh, totally bound on the side or if you like the spiral design. You can have that one too. But whatever you do, please get the grandma's ashtray design on your notebook so you can uh, keep a diary of all of your thoughts and feelings about the episodes. The link is in the show notes. Of course, support us. We are independent podcasters. Thank you. Back to the show. So from there, we go to a grand party at the Hadley House for what I believe was a, a football game. They're at least talking about the football game and maybe going to the Cotton Bowl and all this. Everybody's having a grand time. Mary Lee, though, finds, uh, finds Mitch sulking in his old bedroom. And I did want to say in his bedroom, a couple things going on here. Again, we have just a, a real like highball style glass filled yeah, with scotch. That is a drink. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is uh, we're, we're, we've been calling it the fifty nine of Scotch. This is a fifty six. It's a. I think it's a little. This looks like it has rocks in it. I think the fifty nine of Scotch is neat. Also, want to point out the lack of ashtray here. This is real smooth. He's just got his lit cigarette. He's just got it sitting just out balanced there. on his little uh, bedside table. Uh, nice lamp too, by the way. So Mary Lee finds him up in this this bedroom. They, yeah, they're talking about the state of affairs and about how, you know, Kyle has been na- now married for an entire year and he's still sober. But Mary Lee, she she knows Kyle and she's like, nah, I don't buy it. You just wait and see. It's it's any minute now. This guy's going to slip. I know what a loser my brother is, Carol, and I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> so- I cannot. I've always been a big fan. <laughs> Mitch has the great line. You've got your axe buried in Kyle's head and you're grinding and it you're at the same time. <laughs> Which is a great line, so great that she wants to fuck him right then and there. Uh, she is. She's like, I'll grind something <laughs> for real. She is. She is down. Uh, I can think of much better things than making smart talk. Like, th- okay, so now let's. I made a note here. Let's talk about this. When we did War of the Worlds yesterday, we talked about how non-sexy it was. In '59, uh, we saw a lot of heat, particularly with North by Northwest. It was 1956 here? And this is a hot scene. Something has happened between... Okay, so 1953, War of the Worlds, right? 50, yep. I have a theory. 19, by 1956, all of a sudden, women are liberated, and they are coming on to men yeah. like it's their job. You know what I think it was? This is a theory. We'll, we'll 
dive into it as we progress in our adventure here, but I think it's Elvis. Elvis, oh. do- Elvis drops his first singles in 1954 and then puts out his first big record with all the, you know, all the old hits that you would know, Blue Suede Shoes and all that, Hound Dog. So Elvis being like the predecessor to the Beatles in terms of like fanfare and women like. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, you know, he's the, the, he's the heir apparent to pre-war Sinatra, right? Uh, the Bobby Soxers and all that stuff. Uh, as right. far as like we're turning on a generation, they're discovering their horniness. But in this case, it was Elvis who... You know, took Sinatra's horniness and amped it up by 10, and then you get the Beatles, so you're multiplying everything by 10, and then by 4, and it gets super horny, and it ends up in the back and all that we currently live in today. But I think, yeah, maybe Elvis, because, Trishman, I don't know if you're aware of this, of the Elvis story, his legacy, but, you know, he goes on television, he goes on the Ed Sullivan show. And he does Hound Dog, and he starts swiveling his hips and dancing in a very provocative, Mm -hmm. sexual way, and... The girls love it, right? Because you know I mean, Elvis is a handsome dance, dude, and also dance in general uh, as a form of storytelling, or, or or like just that was oftentimes the only opportunity anyone had to touch was when they were dancing. Yeah, that's right. It's sexually suggested. Yes, it's movement. It's you know like right emulating with clothes on what might be done with clothes off. Well, and if we could take it a step further, I mean, it's at this point, uh, if it's 1954 and we've got Elvis and then we definitely have little Richard and we have all the original first mm-hmm. class of rock and rollers, rock and roll music, rock and roll is slang for fucking. I know it was a long time ago, kids, but that's what rock and rolling means. Yes. I think Elvis might have something to do with it. And the fact that the first birth control pills were developed in the 1950s. Hey, Oh, mm-hmm. all right. All and right, they did right. become publicly available in the 1960s. Yeah. But this was obviously, they were trying to figure out a way to stop booming the population. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, guys, <laughs> Because we... America was getting sexy, hot and heavy, yeah. and uh, they needed to... <laughs> hey, crew, look, we, we beat the Nazis. We're number one. <laughs> we're top of the heap. We... we all, and hey, the sex has never been better. Like, we love doing it. But these babies, you know, like... Yeah, then she, you know she gets pregnant, and then it's like a nine month thing, and it's harder to have the sex that we want to have, and you know then she has another baby, and, who, and then like Justin, we got to figure really this out. Needed eleven children. No one, no, <laughs> no one we know actually needed eleven. Oh, children. poor grandma. How'd she do it? Oh my god, <laughs> I don't know. She lost her mind and her uterus in the process. Oh my god, yeah, That's crazy. How'd she do it? Frequently, apparently. Whoa, <laughs> grandma, grandma burns. You know, um, <laughs> we can so show I, some pictures. Sorry, of Dad. Grandma. She was looking real good. <laughs> yeah, grandma was hot. I get it. Uh, you know, sure. They were very Marilyn Monroe, Joe DiMaggio. I mean, right, right. <laughs> In my recent trip back to India, we found out that my grandma um, was very busy in the 50s in that she gave birth to all her children between 1950 and 1961. Okay. okay. And how many was that? Seven. Oh. <laughs> That's so many. She's not getting a break. <laughs> she, so she was pregnant um, for the whole Constantly. of the 50s. Right. He turns down her advances is what the end of that story is. As he has consistently done. Yes. Continues to do. He is, I mean, and this makes her wanting more. Right. This is, this is where his endurance or whatever, his resilience in the face of 
all these drunk boobs in his face. I mean, it's really impressive that he can turn that down. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how he does it. I mean, within the context of the movie, I'm not sure. He must really love Lucy is all I can think of. So also at this time, Kyle makes a reference about like, next time we're going to have a party and the stork's going to be invited. The stork, you guys, the stork. Mm. And here we open a interesting chapter in this, the life of this movie. So I think where it really comes alive though. Yes. I actually some drama now. (laughs) Yes. Kyle runs into uh, Doc Cochran, the local doctor. And he's like, hey, Doc, I'm really into this idea about making babies. Why don't you ask Lucy to come see you to make sure that, you know, the old plumbing's all uh, fit to print down there. And the doctor's like, yeah, no, I've, I've seen her. Uh, we've talked about this. And, uh, you know, why don't we have a meeting, not at this party where everybody's hammered and dancing provocatively. And then we can have a real gentleman's chat about this. And Kyle's like, well, no, I'm rich. So I need the answer right now. And the doc's like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with Lucy. And we'll talk about this on Monday. (laughs) I mean, I guess what, what we're led to believe is that they have been trying, I guess, is the impression that I get. They've been trying. They've been (laughs) So, like, how long have they been trying? Because I think have we fast forwarded in time now? Yeah, so at least they've been, been married, married a year. year. Yeah, they've been. Oh, trying okay. For I missed that year. part. Okay, I missed that yeah. part where they fast forwarded a I year. I don't think okay. they were ever not trying. Right. So <laughs> Kyle is obviously feeling a little bit small in this scenario. Then, okay. So if Lucy, he puts it together. Uh, if Lucy is not the issue with making the babies, maybe. Oh, Kyle. Damn it, Kyle. So he looks over and of course, what's that? He spermed out. Low sperm count. Oh, (laughs) yeah. All spermed out. Low sperm. Yeah. So (laughs) that's right, folks. We're going to be talking a lot about Kyle's sperm over the next 45 minutes. So Kyle, of course, then looks over to find his wife, Lucy, dancing with with Mr. Man himself, Mitch, and uh, he is All very six, sad. Four of him. Yeah, right, right. Mm. So we then go to this meeting between the doc and Kyle at the local drugstore, where there's a green tag sale on, by the way. Um, you can get all your mm-hmm. all your drugs here. Oh, and, all your uh, drugs. It's well advertised. <laughs> you know, you guys, we've talked about this before. You know I have an issue with people ordering food and drinks and then not eating or drinking those drinks. Well, when, when you doc find Cochran, out you have low sperm count, you can't finish your meal. Well, no. <laughs> I, was just, I just wanted to point out, when Doc Cochran comes in to... Uh, I got it. I'm just going to call him the doc. I can't say doc Cochran. It just sounds like Cochran and I, it's not necessary. <laughs> okay. That might, that might help Kyle. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something I've invented, Kyle. It's named after me. So when the doc comes in and he orders a limeade, I got really panicked about like this. Is this scene going to go well to a point where the doctor can finish his limeade? Because that seems really refreshing, <laughs> the Texas heat. And it would be so sad. But it turns out that he does get to finish. He's left with his limeade. And it is Kyle who is sitting there with like a, a full Coke, I think. Hold on, I made a note of it. Yeah, Kyle abandons a full Coke. Boo. <laughs> so, but why does he abandon the Coke, you guys? Because... He's like, Doc, give it to me straight. And you're like, what's going on? And he's like, well, 
the doctor handles this. He's very cagey about how he phrases this. I mean, there's no easy way to talk about this with a guy, I suppose, but he's like, well, you have, you you have uh, (laughs) what's it's, we're going to call it a weakness, which I mean, right away, like right out the gate, doc, total mismanagement there of, of a man's ego, like talking about his sperm weakness, but he does know he's like, look, you're not sterile. He comes out and says it. Believe me, you're not sterile. That's the quote. Believe me, you're not sterile. Uh, which is kind of him. He's like, this is, you know, it's weak, it's low, but it might be fixable. Kyle, though, cannot deal with it. <laughs> he abandons a complete Coke, and uh, but the doctor gets to finish his limeade, so uh, that's it's kind of a wash. It evens out. And Kyle Lee kind of just stumbles out. He's, he's uh, gobsmacked by the news that his sperm are weak and he stumbles out of the drugstore and passes uh, a kid riding a penny horse, which is kind of funny. I mean, it's sad. Look, it's sad in the context of the story in our context though. My kid will never be able to ride a penny horse. I'll never have a boy who can ride a penny horse. (laughs) But one has to wonder about his state of mind at this point. You know, he's this is a big, uh, a big blow to him. We then go to Mary Lee's bedroom, where she keeps a large framed portrait of Mitch. Uh, Yes, Uh, his headshot, perhaps. Mitch calls her and asks her to go to the country club with Kyle and Lucy. But she's really, she gets real snippy with him. She's like, look, I only want to go out with you if you want to fuck me. Is the the message she gives. Basically what she says. Yeah, yeah. So... This inspires, she's like, oh, that's right. Sex. I like sex. And so she goes to the service station in town where she meets the gas pumping uh, former footballer, uh, Biff. She's going to have someone pump her gas, whether it's Mitch Ayo. or the gas station. Attendant. That's right. That's right. What better place than to go to the gas station for that, right? He knows how to, uh, how to operate a pump. Yeah, yeah, he certainly does. And he is fine with all of this. I mean, it happens. This pickup happens very quickly. He catches on so fast that like, oh, I see. She is, wants to fuck me. I Okay, okay. Well, look, I close in a half an hour usually. So maybe. And she's like, eh, but not today. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Move over. And then they go off to a motel together. It just happens really shockingly quickly. Anyway, Lucy goes to the country club where we see uh, one of our first minorities of the picture. Uh, We have an African-American man named Jack, who is the doorman. He has a line in this scene, you know, like um, basically what we've seen. Okay. If we want to talk about non-white people in the movies we've watched so far, uh, they have all been, I think without fail in the service industry, uh, serving white people, right? Uh, I believe North by Northwest or a musician. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're on the train. Uh, we have, yes, the musicians at the uh, behind the secret door club and pillow talk. And we, we had one man wearing a dapper flat cap uh, in a large crowd scene in war of the worlds. And I guess it's progress. Uh, we have, we have more than one African-American person in this movie. Uh, because we also meet the bartender later, who also has a line. And then there is uh, Sam and Bertha, the uh, housekeeper and butler at the Hadley Mansion. They also have a line. Uh, I think maybe Sam has three or four or something like this. 
But I mean, the, the fact remains that they're only in, you know, they have no agency and they are only in servitude. So, you know, that sucks. I don't know what else you say about that. But uh, Jack the Doorman, he is like, yeah, right this way, Miss Lucy. Don't worry about it. And there's Kyle over at the bar. And Kyle has had a few, uh, it would appear. Which is news, because we will recall that he's been sober for a year. So and look everybody's- at Lauren Bacall. She's just perfection. Yeah, she looks great. She looks great. And Mitch and Lucy just kind of let him drink and talk. And he's, but he's not making a whole lot of sense. He's, you know, and Mitch is like, so what are we celebrating or mourning right now? Like, what's, what's going on, buddy? Uh, but Kyle just can't deal with the situation and he uh, collapses in his drunkenness. And here we see he's, he's got a problem, right? He's, uh, he's dealing with an addiction. This is uh, a relapse, we would call this. So he, he had recovered for a little while, but this is very common that you would relapse into the thing that you're addicted to. And it's very sad. So at the same time, the police show up at the motel where Marley is getting down with Biff, the former footballer, and they bust them for making that sweet love on the sly, I guess. So we go to uh, Jasper's office. Mitch carries Kyle in and Jasper is just absolutely disgusted with the state of his collapsed and drunken son. And Lucy, of course, is also devastated that he's relapsed. Uh, she, you know, she's so sad that he is her husband is so tormented and it's it is it's very sad i don't know i uh, i i know it's a soap opera movie or whatever but this is where things get a little real i feel like and i think it still holds up and it's it's still effective in uh, making its point today and she of course uh commits because she's that kind of person she commits to trying to help him uh and who should show up at this this fine moment where <laughs> jasper's like what am i going to do with this kid but Mary Lee and Biff, too. They brought Biff to the house as well. So they didn't go to the slammer because uh, it is Hadley cops. So just take them back to the It's their cops. The manor. Yeah, yeah right, right. They, uh, kid, so I maybe the they police. weren't arresting them, but maybe they were yet again saving Mary Lee from herself. Yes, Because everyone in this be. town seems to be stopping her from actually having sex with anyone. Yes. And the bartender that well, called Mitch. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all very aware that, like, look, the Hadley kids are fucked up. We need to clean up all of their dirty diapers. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so Biff is brought into Jasper's office and he's like, look, I didn't pick her up. She picked me up. And Jasper's like, what are you talking about? And Biff's like, yeah. you know, your daughter's a tramp, mister, he says. <laughs> like, she's a picker-upper. She goes Very to town. Clearly. She picks people up. Yeah. Your daughter's a tramp, mister. Now, at this point, uh, Mary Lee uh, lights a cigarette uh, in the fireplace and puts on some kind of, like, exotica samba record or whatever and just starts dancing around with Mitch's framed portrait and uh, and and just like cranks this music insert and- like some sort of Haley Steinfeld like I I love myself I don't need anybody else kind of like girls anthem like I'm gonna have a good time without you yes that's what this i mean she doesn't feel bad about any of this you know she's like i got laid tonight and i got a ride home and i've got my record player and nobody can say shit about it and uh jasper of course is like what is with this 
these kids and their samba music, like it's cranking so loud. And also my daughter's a, a, a easy. And so he tries to go up and talk to her. But as he does, he collapses on the staircase and then falls down and dies. And Mary Lee just- This was keeps, quite an intense scene. Yeah, I think it was yeah. really well done. Yeah. Uh, Death by samba. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Lee keeps dancing, but Lucy uh, rushes out. Yeah. It's the dangers of that uh, exotic music, you guys. Please be careful. And so he goes to pick her up in town. And he tries to finally tell her how he feels about her. And he goes for the kiss, as you do in these movies. But she pulls away because she has found out about Kyle's sperm secret. Which there's a gust of wind rushing through the room right now. Do you guys hear that? Oh, sperm! We get some like, 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 you know, good winds, uh, like sound play to go. Oh, you want you want it right now? Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, All all right, I'll 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 make a note of that, and then okay, so uh, yeah, so the wind is rushing in. Do you guys hear that? But guys, do not despair about his his weak sperm, his sperm secret, because it turns out Lucy is pregnant. They work anyway. Yeah. His boys could swim. You know, it's a big, it's a red letter day. And Lucy is like, look, I'm going to have a baby. And this is how it is, Mitch. Sorry about that. So they return back to the manor house and Mary Lee is outside waiting and Kyle has just drunk driven himself out to the cove in the meantime, where he demands that Dan give him a bottle of quote unquote raw corn, which is a great, uh, a great way of saying cheap booze, a bottle of raw corn. And then we see Sam, the butler, of course, he gets another line. Good for him. Uh, and this is back in uh, Jasper's office where Mitch decides, you know what? Okay. Kyle's off the rails here. Mary Lee's walking around the front yard doing her psychotic thing. I'm going to go find the gun that I just saw and I'm going to hide it, which he does uh, very wisely. I would say Kyle comes back to the manor house. He is hammered uh, per usual, and he wants, uh, you know, he wants to have a party or take another flight to Palm beach. It, this guy's, he's a total wreck at this point. So she tells them, she tells him like, look, I know your sperm secret. And it turns out that we're having a baby, but Kyle doesn't believe it, of course. And, you know, he's half in the bag, so he's not making great decisions. And he's like, wait a minute, I can't have babies, but I suspect that you've been sleeping with Mitch. So, of course, it's got to be Mitch's, God damn it, Mitch yet again. Mitch has impregnated my wife. He is pretty outraged by this. And she's like, what are you talking about? But he is so crazy. He hits her, of course. So... That's very rough. She screams. Meanwhile, of course, we cut to Mary Lee. Mary Lee is loving all the drama. She's loving the spousal abuse. She's loving the screaming. Uh, Mitch races upstairs to try it to help Lucy. To increase her power and like just overall presence, the more dramatic it gets. Yeah, yeah, her. right. It's it's wind in her sails. Thrives off of it. Yeah, she loves it. She loves it. 
you know, Kyle, you know, makes goes for Mitch or whatever, but Mitch throws him into a fucking wall uh, and then throws him out of the bedroom and is like, get out of the house before I kill you. So the doctor comes over and uh, checks on Lucy, who's, you know, been injured at this point and reports that she has miscarried uh, over the course of this uh, entanglement. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Mary Lee is of course watching all of this from the staircase as this news is reported and we end up back at the cove. Hey Dan, give me another bottle of raw corn, like another bottle of raw corn. And Dan's like, dude, what, what are you doing? (laughs) No wonder he has low sperm count. Well, I think that was, I think that's the (laughs) idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think his problem has, uh, helped cause his sperm secret. So but at this point, there are people in the cove now. Like the cove is jumping, and Dan's like, "This, this is like my busy period, Kyle. Like I can't be just giving you uh, raw corn and having you come in here being an asshole and all this." And he's like, "Why don't you give me the gun, Dan? I know you got a gun. I'm like I'll give you a hundred dollars for that gun, which a hundred dollars is it's a lot of money back then." Uh, so Kyle, of course, returns home gunless. And he goes into uh, his dad's office and he starts tearing the place apart because uh, he knows that there's a gun. He's like, God damn, there's a- I know there's a gun. Dad had a gun. It's got to be here somewhere. He somehow pieces together that Mitch has hid the gun from him. And he does go for the, the, the bookshelves and he starts chucking all the books off the shelves and he finds the gun. Meanwhile, uh, Sam and Bertha, the servants who have to live downstairs like it's fucking Monticello, Uh, are not allowed to have complete windows, just a basement room, Uh, sucks. They are listening to all of this as well, and they're freaked out. They can hear the commotion. Lucy's freaked out up in her her bedroom. Mitch is like, all right, I'm going to go fucking deal with Kyle. So he goes down, and Kyle is, you know, furious. He's in a rage, and he's found the gun, and this is a real problem. He calls Mitch uh, white trash, says he's been a sponge on the family, that he's made Kyle look small in the eyes of his own father, and he's stolen his wife, or so he thinks. Then Mary Lee shows up because she's everywhere, right? She is the devil. And she starts, uh, she makes a play for Kyle's gun. So they start wrestling. And in the process, uh, Kyle gets shot in the gut. And he just can't believe it as one who does, uh, who just has been shot. <laughs> Uh, will feel like, what did that really just happen? I had control of that gun, but anyway, he, uh, collapses on the porch, you know, mumbling about the, the river and the old swimming patch and all that stuff. And these Hadleys just can't get past the river. And it's very sad. We fast forward a little bit in time and Mary Lee is back in her crazy plaid for a minute. And she's still scheming about, uh, like a blackmail marriage where she's like, you know, because there's going to be an inquest about the death of Kyle. He, he ends up dying and everybody's heard Mitch say, get out of the house or I will kill you. And they could testify to the fact that he said that and that he is the most likely culprit for that. And she's like, look, you know, I could tell them that that's what happened. Or you could marry me and they could not then legally compel me to say anything. But you didn't have to marry me, Mitch. And uh his disinterest is epic. He's just like, I can't, I don't have time for this craziness anymore. I I don't want it. Do not give a shit. So then we go to the inquest. Everyone testifies that Mitch was going to kill Kyle and Mary Lee takes the stand and says it was him. 
And then she decides to tell the truth. And it's a little redemptive moment for that devilish nymphomaniac, Mary Lee. And then says of her brother Kyle, he needed so much and had so little. Which, you know, how many hundreds of millions? Yeah, like he had had, uh, a massive support system of uh, people trying to both help and enable him. He had pretty much anything he wanted at his disposal, including the police. Yep. So... At this point, Mitch and Lucy ride off together, and they leave uh, Mary Lee sad with her oil empire she has now inherited. Inherited. (laughs) And she weeps into the model of oil rig number one, and end of Written on the Wind. (sighs) We made it. Shrishma Ike, let me ask you a question. Yes. Written on the Wind. Do we keep watching this? No. You don't think so? No, I mean, I guess if you want to. (laughs) (laughs) That's a no. Go with a no. You can you can say no. You can say no. No, I don't think we You're not taking much out of this? No, not really. But then I like I said, I think the story the storyline has repeated itself in, you know, many different shapes and forms. You feel Um, like this is this has been told elsewhere in a better in a better way. In different, better ways and in different ways. Okay. Um, this is how I, I feel like about me a good. Yeah, I like I like a good drama. I just wasn't like I said. I didn't really connect with them, um, and everything was just happening so like fast. Um, yeah, I would not watch it. I don't think we should keep watching it. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Carolyn, what do you think? No. Okay. Any reason? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Lauren McCall. I just, like, I'm not, I'm with Trishman that, like, I don't feel the connection with these characters. And maybe it's because I didn't watch this movie as a kid. Mm -hmm. I think that there are some good performances, but Mm -hmm. it, it really honestly feels very disjointed as a film. Yes, I would agree with you. And I think I will agree with both of you that we do not need to prioritize this movie. I don't think this is a bad movie though. I, I, there are things about this movie that I really do enjoy, but I don't think this is an essential thing that we need to pass on to our children's children's children or right. anything like that, you know? And last but not least, Shrishman Ike, we made a promise at the beginning of the show because you were not prepared with your one line hot snake on written on the wind have you prepared something over the course of the past two to three hours? Damn, she's thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hot snakes. And with that, this closes this episode of Old Movie Time Machine. But you're going to want to join us tomorrow. It's the last day of premiere week. And then we go to our regular Wednesday scheduling. You know, every every week on Wednesday, you're going to join us for the next crazy old movie. But tomorrow, big finale of Friday. We're going to be watching. We're going to go a little out of the box because we, it's our show. We can do whatever the fuck we want to do. A uh, mm-hmm. little out of the box with American films. We're going to we're gonna see what our, uh, our brethren across the seas, across the pond, if you will, are doing. We're going to be watching the very first James Bond film, Dr. No. And so concludes another thrilling episode of Old Movie Time Machine. That's right. It's me reporting to you from what is clearly a different microphone in a different room. Uh, But I just wanted to let you guys know that if you enjoyed this conversation about 
written on the wind, there is more than twice as much content available to you over on our Patreon page. It's called The Boom Room. You can find the link in the show notes. You go there, you get you sign up, it's two bucks a month, and you get full-length versions of all the episodes we publish on the free feed here. Uh, what does that mean to you? That means that written on the wind, what is this clocking in at like 50 minutes over here? But if you go to the boom room, you're getting an episode that is, I believe, two hours and 20 minutes long. So if you're like, why didn't they talk about uh, that part of the, the movie where the guy is drinking and the other guy uh, is punching somebody? Well, that's where we're talking about it. It's over on the Patreon. I mean, we can't we can't give it all to you here. Like, who's got the time? Well, actually, you've got the time. So get on over there now. Also, if you would like to be in contact with us, please let us know what you think about Written on the Wind. Uh, do you believe that Robert Stack earned his Academy Award nomination for not loving himself in this movie? You tell us. The email is partyline at oldmovietimemachine.com. Also, tomorrow we're talking about Dr. No, and here's where you're going to want to see that. Uh, it is available to you for streaming on Prime Video. You could also rent it on Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Vudu, Redbox, DirecTV, Microsoft, Apple TV, and of course, Sandwich. So check out Dr. No, watch it tonight. I mean, you should have seen it already by now, but if you haven't, please check it out because the episode drops tomorrow, ending premiere week. So we will see you there. Until next time, this has been Old Movie Time Machine. <laughs>